Hello, welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. I'm your host, James Intracasso. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. We'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, noblenight.com. It's where Out of Print is available again. They have D&D and other tabletop RPGs. Any edition, any product. With Noble Knight, you can even sell them your old gaming products that you aren't using anymore. Let's hear a quick word from them. Oh man. Go now. Okay. What is it, friend and podcast personality, Vegas Lancaster? Oh, hey, fellow amiable podcast personality, Rudy Basso III. I didn't see you walk into the studio. I was just sitting here lamenting a dilemma dramatically. A dilemma? No. But as all our listeners know, you're the happy-go-lucky funny guy. If you're feeling down, it must really be a problem. It sure is. You see, I want to buy lots of gaming products, but many of the things I want are out of print. Oh, man. I feel you, fellow podcaster. That's a very relatable problem many gamers have. But I don't feel that way any... more. But you must tell me how. Of course, fellow palcaster. I shop on noblenight.com. They're a brick-and-mortar game store which also exists online, and they have tons of products, including all editions of D ampersand D. At noblenight.com, out-of-print is available again. Oh boy, I'm checking noblenight.com out right now on my smartphone right now. They have so many cool products, but I couldn't possibly buy them all. But, pod bro... Don't you know that noblenight.com offers discounts out the wazoo? Jeepers, you're right. Golly, look at those prices. Still, I already have a bunch of old gaming stuff. Even though I'm not using a lot of it, I wouldn't have any space for all the new things I can buy at noblenight.com. My good podcast, Homebray, don't you know that noblenight.com will buy all your old gaming products you aren't using? How do you think they get all those out-of-print products? Great Asmodeus, you're right. I'm glad I have a friend like you, Rudy Basso III. You are smart, and now I am too. That's right, because smart people shop at noblenight.com. Yep, http colon backslash backslash www.noblenight.com. Okay, I think, I think they got it. Okay, guys, today we've got a special treat for you on the roundtable. Topher Cohen and myself sat down with Chris Tulock and Chris Lindsay of the D&D brand team and spoke with them about the D&D Adventurers League. So it's a roundtable with some Wizards of the Coast professionals about organized play. Let's roll the tape. Uh, I'm Chris Lindsay. I'm on the uh, Dungeons & Dragons brand team. Uh, I'm Chris Tulock. I'm the D&D program manager for organized play. Awesome, guys. And if you could describe to us a little bit about how the D&D Adventurers League was created for this edition, that would be awesome. So it's, it, was a lot, it was a lot like what we did when we were working on actually creating Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, Chris and I took a really hard look back at everything that had essentially come before with Dungeons & Dragons organized play. And we took all, all the key learnings that came from all the programs that we had either been a part of or had seen run in the past and, and really kind of 
picked out the best of all of that and then you know innovated from there. Yeah, it really yeah, it really was basically looking at the philosophy too of uh, of fifth edition and kind of looking at the way that fifth edition was sort of designed was around this idea of getting um, everyone that's a fan of Dungeons and Dragons right playing sort of the same game, um, getting basically the community you know back together to play D and D. And uh, what we realized with our organized play programs is that we had created a lot of disparate uh, programs in the past, which had served their purpose and worked very well, but we had never really created a uh, program that was designed to kind of like engage everyone that is uh, interested in D&D organized play. So that's what, where the D&D Adventures League sort of had its birth. It's the sort of the early uh, thing that kind of I was touting with the program around internally was the idea that you could take your character anywhere. Right. It doesn't matter what public play experience you want to participate in, but you can you can go ahead and bring your character to it and uh, and play. The only limiting factor being the level of the adventure you play. That's actually really cool. And that sort of brings me to the next question. If you have a character who is, you know, your organized play adventurers lead character, can that character be in multiple places at once? Can they be in expeditions and encounters and at ethics? Or do you need to create different characters for all three of those divisions of play? You can go ahead and uh, play your character in anything that's part of the D&D Adventures League. You know, you kind of have to do a little suspension of disbelief, of course, right? But that's kind of normal for organized play, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you think of it this way, right, you know, you and, you know, thousands and thousands of other people are all playing the same adventure, right? But for you, for your table, right, this adventure is the, you know, is the, you know, the only occurrence of this, you know, of this event, right? So it's sort of normal anyway for, for organized player play players to dispense, suspend their disbelief a bit. I, I think that it's fine. Um, it's certainly part of the program. That's the idea behind it is as long as you kind of look at the adventure and go, oh, this adventure is for characters levels one to four. Well, my character's third level. Great, I can participate in this adventure, right? And I can I can play in that adventure as long as I want. Um, then let's say uh, let's say you started with D and D encounters. You play with D and D encounters for for a while. You could then take your character somewhere like a convention and participate in a D and D adventures league experience there with the same character, and then take them back to the store or wherever else you're playing. And I think one of the key aspects of the uh, the uh, adventures league. Uh, as an organization is that um, being part of the larger community and being able to share what your story was individually in any given adventure with other people who may have had a little different experience and, and just seeing how those experiences can vary. It's, it's, it's the fun of it really is sharing, is having that shared world experience. Um, you know, when you're playing a game at home, and you're sitting down with your dungeon master and having a great time. You know, you're, the, the game is awesome because your dungeon master has kind of crafted a play experience that's expressly for you. But the, 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 the sort of the challenge in there, right, is that as a player, you know, you can, you can talk to other players that, you know, that aren't at your table about your cool experiences, but they really just don't quite emotionally invest in your experiences in the way that you do because they're only hearing it from you secondhand. It's kind of like, you know, you go out to see a movie, you tell your buddy like how awesome the movie was, and you tell them the entire plot of the movie because they're cool with those spoilers or spoilers or whatever. But, you know, they really can't engage with you on, on, on the level that you're engaged with it. Um, and with the D&D Adventures League stuff and organized play, 
you get a lot more of that through a shared world experience, right? You, you know, you and I can play the same adventure, not be at the same table, right? And still have that sort of that, that connection to the game. So, hey guys, this is Topher. Uh, hey. I hear a lot of you guys talking about, and I've heard another stuff about the shared world and the, and the, you know, the being part of the league and everything. How does, can you talk us through how that ties encounters to something like expeditions are they taking place same timeline same world if my characters in both will they be kind of seeing the same thing so uh what we did is we decided to go ahead and uh link all of our D play experiences to uh something we call a season or a storyline yeah. um so for example our first storyline is tyranny of dragons right so tyranny of dragons is a storyline that we're going to have it'll be the major emphasis on, uh, um, you know, the thing that you're going to see, um, thematically, you know, for the next several months. Right. And in tyranny of dragons, basically the call to the dragon is attempting to bring Tiamat, uh, back from the nine hells, right. And bring her to favor. Well, that story will be sort of played out in various different expressions of the game. Right. So if you're a tabletop role player, right. You can pick up or the Dragon Queen and you can re- play the adventure or whatever. And if you're, uh, you know, into the Neverwinter MMO, you can play, you know, on Neverwinter, right? And, and so forth. But with the organized play experience, the idea is that the Tyranny of Dragons themes and storylines will be represented no matter what program you're participated in, right? So you'll, so if you're playing, for example, in D&D Encounters, uh, what you'll be doing is you'll be playing um, through... Uh, the first portion of Horde of the Dragon Queen. So you'll be play- playing through the actual like main storyline for the tabletop role-playing game. Um, and then if you're playing in D&D Expeditions, uh, you'll be playing um, uh, uh, smaller adventures, four-hour adventures, right? They're kind of more designed for sort of a convention or weekend experience. And those adventures uh, will uh, be thematically linked to Tyranny Dragons as well. Um, so they might have elements of the cult, like the Cult of the Dragon might be up to something, you know, or uh, you might see something like an adventure around kobolds with and some draconic element, right? And so that's sort of how they connect in sort of a thematic way. Um, if you think of it as sort of a, you're kind of painting a mosaic and getting a bigger, as you kind of step back from it, you kind of like are like, oh, there's a bunch of stuff going on, you know, and this is really interesting because it's all involving Cult of the Dragon and the Red Wizards and Tiamat, yep. and and that's really what we're kind of going for, right? You, you, you don't want to have necessarily a linear storyline, which is A to B to C to D, because not everybody's going to experience it that way, right? Some people are going to come in and B, right? And some people are going to, you know, do D first, right? So uh, it's, a, it's a good idea to instead kind of thematically tie the story together instead of making people progress along a, a very prescribed path. And if you need something a little more more linear to kind of keep it straight in your head, you just have to consider the idea that the Cult of the Dragon and all the people that they work with have a great deal of work to do all over Faerun in order to bring Tiamat back from the Nine Hells. And so there's going to be all kinds of uh, evil goings on because of that. And because of that, there will be all kinds of different adventures available in order to uh, express that to our players. And so they'll have any number of possible uh, ways of getting that, whether they're playing in encounters or, or they're playing in expeditions. Yeah. And, and, and uh, D and D encounters will, uh, you know, will be pretty much using uh, our for sale published product, right. As sort of the focus of the play experience. Um, and uh, for the Tyranny Dragon storyline, that's set in the Sword Coast, right? So over on the Sword Coast near like Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter, you know, is where a lot of that story is taking place. Um, D&D Expeditions uh, content is focused on the Moonsea region. Um, and it kind of develops the Moonsea region as sort of a secondary kind of campaign home. Uh, and 
basically, you know, what you're going to see is, okay, if you're over in the moon sea, right, here's what's happening, right? Here's what's going on. Um, we anticipate that some players, you know, are going to want to participate in like their choice of storyline, right? So they might go, okay, with Tyranny of Dragons, I might just do my, my expression might be D and D encounters, right? And I'm just playing in the store every week, every Wednesday and enjoying that. Um, whereas other players might be, well, I'm more of a convention gamer. I really want to be a part of the D and D expeditions experience. I'm going to do that. Right. Um, and there'll be some cross pollination between them. Um, you know, obviously people will move from one to the other, but what it's, what we're really trying to accomplish here is just kind of let players kind of go as deep as they want to go and always say that there's another experience waiting for them. Right on. That sounds, that's actually a really great way to think of that. The whole dragon cult thing. I like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think you're going to see that even, you know, as, as we progress and as more storylines come out, you're going to see these storylines are basically have these thematic elements that just make them super exciting and interesting to play in no matter where in like the forgotten realms your you know you, your character happens to be cool That's very cool so i run uh, organized play at my local friendly gaming store so awesome. from my point of view the question i have is how easy is this going to be for new players players who haven't touched fifth edition at all or and or new dms that's a obviously it's at a local gaming store getting dms is the hard part sure right so, that's actually how James and I met is through organized play back in the day. Oh, yeah. Then, um, so my question is, how do you guys see this? I remember, you know, we've talked a lot about the old encounters and um, other um, podcasts where it was really easy to get a new player and a new DM into it. Do you guys see encounters working that same way? Do you see yeah. expeditions for more experienced players in yeah. and that's, that's, DMs? That's pretty much exactly how the programs were designed, right? Um, so there's three programs, D&D Encounters, D&D Expeditions, and D&D Epics. D&D um, Encounters is still remaining to be basically kind of the core philosophy of the program is the same as it used to be, which is that it's for casual players and DMs, right? It's the thing that, you know, if you're not like necessarily a hardcore gamer, right, you might find D&D Encounters to be the thing that you can do every week. Or if you're the person that just doesn't have a lot of time, you know, and you just can't make it to, you know, uh, a four, six, eight hour game on the weekends. Uh, D and D encounters is great because it's, you know, drop in and, and play for two hours. Um, so that's going to continue to remain focused on the casual player. And one of the ways that we focus it is by, um, is by making that experience for like low level characters. Right. So in a season of D and D encounters, you will start at level one. All right. So, mm -hmm. you know, the first, you know, the first part of the adventure will always be at level one. Um, you know, and, and you'll play through, play through that uh, portion of the adventure. Um, you know, you could obviously have a character that's a little bit higher level participate in a D and D encounter session at the beginning. Um, as long as they're within a couple of levels, it's fine. But, um, but generally speaking, you know, that's the, the idea is, yeah, I would create a first level character and play through a lot of the D and D encounter stuff with D and D expeditions. Since that content is sort of chunked out at these four hour adventure experiences, right? They're kind of better for the weekends or, or, or conventions and things. Um, that That's kind of more of an advanced player sort of thing in that um, if I'm looking for a deep dive and I just want to keep keep gaming all the time, right? Um, there'll be a lot more, there'll be a lot of uh, uh, um, opportunities through D&D Expeditions and uh, the content there uh, will uh, support higher level play uh, as well. The key is, is that between the two programs is that we give uh, our casual players the opportunity to continue being casual as long as they want to. But if at any point they want to have a deeper experience, 
or they want to become more involved, as they choose now, they can continue and move on into DD expeditions or continue playing these adventures by purchasing the adventures and, and running through the higher level content. Um, mm-hmm. And that is their choice. They don't have to stop. And at the same time, they don't have to change their character. They get to keep playing the character that they've right. grown with and loved since the very beginning Which, of their of their inception of the program. Right. Which has been the biggest uh, the biggest piece of feedback we've gotten on DFD Encounters really over the years is that I you know I, I like DFD Encounters. I really you know enjoy playing it. But you know I really w- you know I get attached to my character. I really wish I could play my character longer. The, the issue is we can't, you know, for example, we, and we've experimented with this a couple of times. Dead and Thay, we did a little experiment as well, the last season of D&D Encounters, oh, yes. the last Thundering, um, where we said, oh, yeah, bring a higher-level character, right? Or bring your character from the last season of D&D Encounters and, and just kind of go on. Well, the issue with that is, well, that's kind of a barrier to new players, right? I mean, you want to have a new player be able to jump in at some point, you know, during the season and, and, and kind of feel like they can contribute. Um, and not be totally intimidated as well. And by sort of having a season start with, you know, hey, D&D Encounters is, you know, for the casual player, it starts at level one. That's just a great way to kind of get those casual players in and get that going. And then I think that you're going to see that um, a lot of people will just be enticed because there's so much more content too, will be enticed to create uh, new characters um, and uh, free storyline season, right? And, and and play through the storyline season with them. Yeah, I mean, one of the best parts of D&D is making a bunch of characters. Yeah, right. I mean, so the idea is instead of us forcing you to make a new character every D&D encounter season, what we're saying is, no, 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 you have a character. If you want to continue playing that character, you can either purchase, uh, you know, the rest of the adventure that you played, that you started playing. Um, like, for example, Horde of the Dragon Queen, um, you can play through like the first four levels worth of content, and then after that, if you wanted to, if somebody at the table wanted to pick it up, or you guys all wanted to throw in to buy it and keep playing it, you could play through the rest of that and get yourself to like seventh, eighth level. Um, or you could just go play some D and D expeditions adventures with that character and keep advancing a level there. But then you know, also saying, hey, the next season starts, maybe you want to try a new character now. There's an opportunity for you to onboard a new character right there, right? You know, so. That's sort of what we're going for. We're trying to make it as open as possible. We're trying to basically say, you know, I don't care. Like me personally, like I don't care, you know, how you want to play D and just want to. I just want you to be able to play D and D. The only limit, the only limitation for us is really we're focused mostly on in organized play on in person public play because that's our whole. That's the whole mission for organized play, right? Is to grow that, right? Whether it's at a store or a convention or at a public event, that's really what we're interested in, um, and. Um, and the private play stuff happens and that's awesome. We love that it happens, but the, the home gaming stuff, right. The home game DM brings a whole different, whole different sort of, um, experience, you know, to their players and they're, they're pretty much, they pretty much got that, right. They figured that out. They know what, they know what they want to do. Exactly. I am wondering guys, you keep talking about a season. Can you give us a hint of about how long a season is going to be? Is it going to be standardized? Will it be different for each storyline? Uh, so season, we're going to have a couple of seasons a year. Um, they're going to vary in length from, I'm going to say, five to eight months, depending on the uh, uh, focus uh, uh, of a given storyline and how much energy we want to put behind a given storyline. So we're definitely going to have a, a, a cadence to our stories as we are continuing uh, into the future. So we'll have uh, uh, basically... We'll call them A stories and B stories, right? A stories that are much stronger and 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 have a much 
larger push behind them and take much longer to to play through. And then we'll have B stories, which uh, which will also be very awesome, um, but will not be uh, quite as lengthy uh, as perhaps our A stories will be. Um, so uh, you can look forward yeah. to that as going forward. So the idea is that you know I sit down, I play, and I create a character, right? And let's say I'm creating a character for Tyranny of Dragons. The first thing I'm going to do in organized play is I'm actually going to choose my story origin for my character, we call it. Which effectively means that I say, okay, I want my character to be a Tyranny of Dragons character. What that does is it says a couple of things. One, it says that that's pretty much what like my focused storyline, my starting storyline is going to be. But two, it also kind of defines what uh, what rules my character will use. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you can always take that character when that character, you know, levels up or gets, you know, it gets past that storyline into the next storyline. That's totally okay. But by uh, tying them to Tyranny of Dragons, it kind of it kind of focuses your character on using certain rule sets as opposed to other ones. That sounds really awesome, you guys. Uh, will the players have an effect on the Forgotten Realms? So, for instance, if, say, everybody reports back that they failed, mm-hmm. uh, will Tiamat be free and walking around? Or if everybody succeeds, will Tiamat be, you know, remain in the Nine Hells, as it were? So we're going to definitely have uh, a lot of um, feedback mechanisms put in place to uh to take you know feedback from our events um some of our events you know will be uh a little bit higher level right uh like the whole tiamat uh uh, deal with rise of tiamat and and what have you will kind of conclude that storyline um we'll certainly be getting feedback um from our from the play experiences and for something as broad as like the tyranny dragons main story arc which is kind of being experienced not only in organized play but also in the neverwinter mmo and uh, in home games everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, that's something that'll probably be a little bit broader kind of application. But like for something that's a little more focused, for example, um, uh, how Tyranny of Dragons plays out in the Moonsea region where D&D Expeditions Adventures are, are uh, set, yes, we definitely have a feedback mechanism set up already for those. For example, uh, if you go to Gen Con, um, at Gen Con, um, you'll... Uh, experience a number of different uh, Tyranny of Dragons themed adventures. Our first uh, D&D Epics adventure will also be at Gen Con, which will have a, a critical uh, uh, event that will happen that will influence future storylines. Um, but after you finish playing um, some of those adventures, you'll be given uh, the opportunity to fill out a survey. Um, and the survey will just ask you a few basic questions. It'd be mostly multiple choice. But it'll also give you an opportunity to kind of like tell us the crazy thing that happened at your table. Um, and what we'll do with that is um, we'll go ahead and we'll look at that and um, we will go ahead and make uh, adjustments to, uh, to the campaign as things progress. So you can imagine, for example, um, if we have something, a, di- a major decision point, let's say um, whether or not um, the uh, prince of the city uh, lives or dies, right? Um, we would resolve that through these surveys. And then we would communicate that when it's appropriate, right? When we can get that information basically back to the uh, the players. So yeah, that'll happen. Um, what we're anticipating doing is uh, doing some wrap up stuff too. So when Tyranny of Dragons concludes, uh, we'll have some summaries that will come out, and that will tell everybody kind of okay, here's sort of what here's sort of what are, you know happened in the D and D Adventures League, right? Mm-hmm. Here's how the factions mattered. Can you explain a little bit about the factions for the listeners? Yes. Factions are really cool. So what the factions are is they are um, basically a few power organizations within the Forgotten Realms. Uh, they're kind of present all over Faerun, the continent of Faerun. Um, and they kind of all have their own aims and goals, right? They're, they're, um, 
they're kind of devoted to different causes and seek different things as an organization. And as a player, what you do is you'll create a character that, um, and you can tie yourself to one or, to one of the factions, right? So you might choose, for example, the Harpers or the Zentarum. When you choose a faction, uh, becoming a faction member uh, basically means that you have an, you have some obligations to the faction, but that you also get support from the faction. As you kind of play adventures and uh, accomplish different uh, tasks for your faction, you'll wind up getting uh, renown in your faction. You'll rise in rank within your faction. You'll get more benefits for being a part of the faction. Um, there are five factions. Um, they are, uh, the, like I said, the Harpers, Zentarum. What else, Chris? They're the Lord's Alliance, uh, the Emerald Enclave, and the uh, Order of the Gauntlet. Yeah. So we have five factions going on, and uh, definitely which faction you choose says a lot about your character and who they are in the world. Right. Uh, and it definitely colors their interactions with other players. You know, for example, players who have characters that are members of the Harpers are not always going to necessarily agree 100% with players who have characters who are members of the Zentarum. Yeah. Those, those right. two factions traditionally being yeah. opposed to each other. They're pretty, they're pretty opposed to each they other. They only actually link up when we have large events such as in Tyranny of Dragons, where both of them are interested in not having TMI right. come back to the realms. Yeah, so the idea is, is that while the, the idea behind the factions is they're kind of, it's kind of, uh, they're kind of like, um, you think about like friendly competition, right? You know, yeah. um, the idea is, is that you're all adventurers. You're all kind of there to deal with problems and 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 and, and do what you need to do. Right? But your motivations are wildly different. But your yeah, but your reasons for being there and you know what you might what you might actually want to accomplish is a little bit different. Um, we're not going to put people into positions where you know it's like a PvP style thing, right? The idea isn't isn't that we want to create bad feelings amongst the table. What it what it is is when you sit down and there's somebody across the table from you from a, with a you know with a different faction. It's really an opportunity for you guys to role play and really kind of get involved, right? In like in like playing up some of the differences that you might have, right? And while your while your goals and aims might be very much the same, uh, the methodologies methodologies that you employ to achieve those goals could be uh, different enough to cause some discussion, right, among the party. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it's you know I th we think it's going to be really kind of a cool layer to add on top of the game. Um, uh, we've certainly played around with factions before. Uh, we've had uh, we had factions in a couple of our other organized play uh, programs uh, previously to this. So we've 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 had some experience dealing with them and understanding how they work. Um, all of these factions are generally generally speaking they they they're um, they're motivated. Uh, for different re you know, to, on different reasons, but generally speaking, they can support you know heroic style adventurers. Yep. Even the Zentarum can support um, heroes in it. And what we think is really cool, and this is a kind of a thing with Fifth Edition that if you flip through the basic rules at all, or if you've happened to see some of our sneak peeks of the player's handbook, I think you're getting a good sense of this. But the cool thing is that really with with with, with the with the game and with the organized play with through the D and D Adventures League, we're really kind of putting a bigger emphasis on on creating a story together, and not only from like the top level type of you know oh this seasonal storyline, but even at the table when you're sitting down role playing with the other players, right? Just having that cool story of yeah, we kind of started out hating each other, but then we kind of you know you know, got in this situation, right? And we we had each other's backs and now we're kind of friends, even though, you know, that's just a really cool story to tell, right? And, and it's and it's a fun story and it leads to some really interesting role-playing moments. That's awesome. Very cool. 
So, hey, guys, so you talk about, you know, doing the feedback and getting the surveys and such. And I, you know, I know that from Origins, the the stuff you ran at Origins has been, you know, tweaked a bit before you can run it at Gen Con and so forth and so on. Yep. How are you going to convey that information to the to someone like me who's, you know, doing the organized play for their for their gaming store? You're going to go through the WPN? Is it is there another way to, you know, if I'm a guy who's running encounters at my store, where's the best place for me to get information? I guess what I'm asking. So there's a few different places. Uh, if you haven't checked out our, our you know, spangly new D and D website, um, it's really great. Uh, it's just we just launched the new website at the end of last month, and um, it's got some great resources on it. Uh, it has uh, we have articles that go up all the time there. Uh, that's a great great resource uh, for you to use. In fact, if you go there and take a look, you're going to see that under play and events, there's a whole whole navigation devoted to D and D Adventures League, and it has just you know, some basic information, some resources and things like that. But then there's also just a, a article series that's that, that's coming out that, that will have more information. Additionally, um, I think we yeah. have a few key community members who have stepped up uh, and taken on administrative roles for our games. And uh, they uh, uh, have constructed a website as well yeah. where information with regards to how stories and stuff are playing out and how – Folks have been interacting with our stories. Will be will be posted regularly. Yeah, they have a more of an organizer focused website. It's called dndadventuresleague.org, and uh, these are our contracted administrators. These guys are basically in charge of doing like more of the day to day stuff. Um, so uh, they take care of that that's that site. In addition, uh, we have uh, an Adventures League Facebook group, which you can find. It's D and D Adventures League. That's the Facebook group. It's very easy to find, um, and they have. We just launched it a little while ago, and they already have like well over thirteen hundred members, and it keeps keeps going up and up and up every day. Um, there's a Google Plus community as well, same thing, D and D Ventures League. So there's a lot of ways in which you know we kind of put a presence out on a number of different social media platforms um, just to get the information out to you, right? Um, so if you're a player at D and D Encounters and you want to know what's going on, right? You know, as long as you're kind of linked into one of those communities, uh, you should be able to get that information. We're going to probably try to keep, you know, we don't want people to be spoiled by stuff too much. So we're going to probably try to do more of a storyline summary stuff at the end of a season rather than, you know, in the beginning or middle. Because we really want people kind of going out and experiencing the adventures as they see fit rather than like, you know, in some prescribed timeline from us. That's very cool, guys. I wanted to know if we could get a little hint of what some future storylines might be. Oh, oh, you sure can't. Yeah, sure I know. Can't. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're uh, we're really we're we're ready at work um, on the next couple of storylines. We are, and they're uh, fantastic and awesome. They, and yeah. while I would love to it's, tell you all about them, I could totally it's get very, very cool. Yeah, <laughs> so we can't talk about it. Sorry, guys. I'd love to. We we would love. Chris and I both would love to tell you about them. Yeah, um, but they're, I'm they're, sure that in 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 due time, you know, we got to get. First of all, we got to get Tyranny of Dragons, you know, really, really off the ground, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> but we got to get that in flight, right? And <laughs> um, and once you know, you know, after Tyranny of Dragons kind of is rolling, right, we'll probably start talking a little bit about what we what we can expect to see next. One thing that we've actually talked about, and this is really kind of neat, this is a good segue, is um, the transitions between storylines. Mm. So one thing you're going to see is, um, especially in the organized play stuff through the D&D Ventures League, and especially in D&D Expeditions, 
you're going to see that there's going to be a little bit of a transition because what we want to do is we want to have some causality, right? So it, it kind of feels like, you know, it's not like, oh, a storyline started and then a storyline ends and then yep. a storyline starts. And so you're going to see a little flow, right? Um, and you'll see at the end of Tyranny of Dragons, right, you'll see, you'll, you, you know, if you play like the last few adventures, right, you'll probably see some some things start to flow in from the next storyline. Yep. So the idea being that, oh, you know, while not all just stuff that happens in a bottle, right? It's these things actually have impact on future events as well. And you're going to see this across, you're going to also see this across like a lot of our, 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 our expressions too. And regardless of what awesome storylines we have going on, the one thing that your, our players can always count on is our five factions. Our five factions yeah. are going to be there. They're going to be, they're going to be able to uh, participate in their yeah. faction and, and earn renown throughout. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, we have a storyline right now. It's about you know, the Cult of the Dragon, you know, bringing Tiamat back and the Red Wizards of Thay help out. And it's like, well, how do the Harpers deal with that? Well, the next storyline comes out and it's something different. Well, how do the Harpers deal with that? Right. Yeah. You know, and so those five factions are going to be personnel and be one of the ways in which uh, you you can see uh, sort of the uh, uh, the storyline uh, um, interaction through the eyes of uh, a member of a faction rather, you know, rather than just, you know, an adventurer right uh, that sounds really great so in your mind someone joins a faction when they start in expeditions and they can stay in that same faction as long as they yeah. want to play that character they, that's probably a good idea for them to stay in the same faction yes. um when they once they join one it doesn't basically all this is part of the dd ventures league right that's the big kind of the more important thing is that it doesn't matter what the program name is the program name is really only to like help us bucket out like, you know, for stores and for conventions and stuff like organizer type speak, right? The program names. But I don't consider the program names to be something that is necessarily as concerning to the players. The players are playing in the D&D Adventures League. They make a D&D Adventures League character. They probably choose a faction at first level or very soon thereafter, right? Once you have that character in that faction, right, you're going you're gonna to keep playing that, that character, you know, belonging to that same faction for a while. And you're going to see, you know, that, you know, you're going to, you're going to play your character through probably, you know, maybe two or three different, you'll touch at least two or three different storylines, yeah. maybe more. And if you really want to get a taste of another faction, we would encourage that the player at that point to sit down and make another yeah. character and then devote that character to the different yeah. faction uh, so that they have multiple points of view. But it really benefits a player with a single character to just stick with the one faction they yeah. chose. And I think you're going to see a lot of people that get really invested in, in, in you know, D&D Adventures League stuff are going to create multiple characters. Because it's going to be, you know, it's the same thing, you you know, everybody has D&D, right? You know, you're like, oh, man, you know, I really, you know, I like my wizard, but I can really use, you know, a druid in my life right now. And I'd love to play a druid. Well, this is cool because now not only do you get to play a druid, but it's like maybe I want to tie my druid to the Emerald Enclave. Yeah. And that'd be kind of sweet to kind of experience that faction and see what that's all about, right? So you kind of have just this other little layer on your character that's really cool and helps to and helps to motivate you to continue adventuring. I know that for encounters, it's based on the published product. So when in, when somebody's done with encounters, they can you know go buy the hardbound book off the yep. shelf at their gaming store. How about for uh, expeditions and epics? Or or for home players, they gonna be able to get their hands on this or or this a so, kind of an SOL moment? Right now, yeah. Right now, we don't have uh, we we you know because we're focused on in person public play. That's what organized play is. Right, and our organized play programs are designed for that. Um, we don't have uh, any plans at the moment to support home play for D and D expeditions or D and D epics. They're really meant to be uh, to support and promote public public play events. Right, uh, you know, we if for example, you know, if we let everybody play all the D and D expeditions adventures at home, right? Well, then, the, if I'm an 
organizer for a public event, what's the what's the reason why I come to the public event? Why why would I you know why why would why would somebody you know come to my event if they can just play the content at home? Right. Um, and, and the idea is right. We want to grow and we want because you because the thing is right. Given given everything else, a person's just you know gonna stay at home if if they don't if they don't you know have to and. While we think that the home experience is awesome, and I love home games, um, the thing is that the public play experience is something different, and it's also awesome in a different way in that it plugs you into the greater D&D. And we're working with uh, key organizers uh, throughout the year in order to help them promote their own yeah. shows and making sure that they have exciting content for their shows uh, so that their shows can be as fun and exciting experiences as they can possibly make them uh, and really provide uh, uh, our players with a different experience, what they could have at home, something that perhaps they couldn't do for themselves at home, but they could get right. when they go out into right. uh, a much larger uh, hemisphere, as it were. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not because you know we don't like home players or something like that. It's 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 you know what they're you know as a home as a as a person who plays a game at home, right? You have a lot of tools at your disposal already, and um, there's already a lot of great benefits for playing at home. Yep. Right. And what we want to do is we want to say, yeah, there's also great benefits to playing um, in public, but they're, they're a little bit more intrinsic um, in some ways. And so by creating programs that are public focused, what we do is we kind of uh, create a situation where, um, where we can expose people to those intrinsic benefits, mainly being the community, right? Like, I mean, I've been raised on organized play ever since I was an adult. I've been playing organized play and I've, you know, and I'm 40, you know, 41 right now. So I've been playing in organized play since I was, 17 or 18, you know, I, I cut my teeth on it. I love it. It's awesome. I, it's my, it's one of my, it's basically my preferred gaming experience is to play with strangers, but it, you know, it's not for everybody. It's intimidating. Um, and, but once you get past sort of the, the, Hey, I'm playing with strangers at the table. What you realize is you grow so much more as a D and D player when you're out in the public playing organized play games and as a dungeon than, master and as a dungeon master, than you would ever playing with the same group of people at home. Yeah, dungeon mastering tables where you sit down over and over again to six brand new players over the course of a convention, you learn so many things from those different players that you wouldn't have from just playing with the right. same six players all, all, the, same, all the time, uh, that your skills as a dungeon master really start to flourish and, uh, and people really take notice. You, you'll find that, uh, I found anyways, that when I go to a show and I'm a dungeon master, there are players who know me and they seek me out specifically to sit right. down at my table. That has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that I work for Wizards of the Coast and everything to do with the fact that uh, I, they've, they've sat at my tables in the past and they've had a great experience. So that's the thing, right? It's public play for us is really important. And we also, you know, we also exist to promote our stores and conventions, right? I mean, and the way that we exist to promote our stores and conventions is by creating programs that highlight play at those locations. Yep. So. So I'm going to uh, turn a little bit. I'm also a huge fan of the Neverwinter MMO. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, b big fan of it. I was wondering, uh, you guys talk about how there's a tie-in, and I see the next mm -hmm. modules is Tyranny of Dragons. Yep. I'm so excited about that. Is there going to be a, um, a closer tie-in with the Adventures League? Is there going to be some way uh, that you know I, one influences the other or one helps me the other? Well, we're definitely looking at that for the future. We're kind of starting, you know, with just like let's get the let's get like some of the thematic elements, of the story kind of aligned up, yeah. and then as we kind of progress, we're going to see, you know, how we can actually bring more and more of those tabletop elements into the MMO and vice versa. Yeah, like so many other things right. that we're working on, we're trying to take these these steps one, you know, 
one step at a time as we build rebuild this game yeah. and, and getting the rules and stuff out and then building the storylines and then getting the two games of digital and analog working together yeah. uh, was the next step, right? And then as we continue to go forward, we'll continue to strengthen those links as best we can. Yeah, and and I and what I would caution people from you know you know raging the internet about right is this isn't we're we're not going to make D and D tabletop role playing game into an MMO. And we're not going to make the Neverwinter MMO into the tabletop role playing game. Right, they're going to be two separate they, experiences. They, yeah, that is, you know, the MMO does its thing, and it does its thing well for an MMO, and the tabletop role playing game does its thing well for a tabletop game. Instead, what we were talking about really is more like the story elements, right, and the and, and the, the ties that you can have thematically, and the ties that you can have, you know, with like a causal kind of relationship, like something happens here and then it happens there, right? Um, more of that. Um, you know, because that's sort of been our focus uh, uh, as a whole uh, with, uh, you know, D&D going forward. I hope that, uh, you know, if you're going to be at Gen Con or PAX or Dragon Con or, or Fan Expo Canada, which are our first few shows, that you get a chance to play some D&D Adventures League content there. Yep. Um, I think you're going to find it. It's going to be really fun. Uh, we've, you know, we've spent a lot of time uh, working with our designers and our organizers and our administrators to get everything ready to go, you know, and uh, it's been kind of a challenge because, you know, we've been, we've been creating content and getting, getting things ready to go while the books have been final, while the rules are being finalized. So that's, you know, always challenging, but, uh, but it's going to be fun. And uh, I think you're going to see that uh, the whole ecosystem of D and D organized play is going to be evolving into something a little bit more, uh, and a little bit more accessible for anyone. And where should people go to learn more? Uh, well, if you want to learn more about what we're doing, uh, the best way to go is just go to DungeonsAndDragons.com, the website. Um, that's sort of your, your good landing page. There's a lot of information on the website. It's, it's great. It looks beautiful. It's brand new. And it's extremely um, accessible. Yep. Everything is laid out really easily to find. Um, that's a great resource for you. Uh, like I said earlier, if you're um, if you're interested specifically in organized play, uh, there's some great uh, community groups out there. There's a G plus community. There's a Facebook group. Uh, they're both called D and D Adventurers League. Um, you can check those out. Um, also, you know, feel free to uh, check uh, out our Twitter handle. There's um, the official D and D Twitter handle is uh, at uh, was it at Wizards underscore D and D. No ampersand in there. And then uh, there's an Adventurers League uh, Twitter handle too, which is at uh, DND underscore ADV League, Adventurers League. Um, again, no ampersand in that one. So both of those are excellent to check out if you just want to keep up with what's going on. Very cool. Chris Tulak and Chris Lindsay, thank you very much for being on the roundtable. Thank you. Thanks, yeah, thanks for having us. All right. That concludes the interview. I hope you guys like it. Topher, where can people find you? Hey, yeah, they can find me at. So on the Twitters at Topher ATL, and they also find me on the Google Plus at the same place at Topher ATL. And where do you do organized play? I run organized play at Titans Games and Comics in Smyrna, Georgia, and we're about to kick off, or depending when you hear this, we'll be running the D&D Adventures League, doing encounters, and we will be doing expeditions, so check us out. Guys, if you have a question or topic you'd like to hear us discuss on the roundtable, reach out to me on Twitter at James and Jercasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. 
or you can leave us a comment on the Tome Show's website, thetomeshow.com. And a quick shameless plug for me, check out my blog, which is about Exploration Age. That's the fifth edition world that I'm building. It's at worldbuilderblog.me. Okay, thanks to everyone for listening, and thanks to Chris, Chris, and Topher. Also, many thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Keep on rolling, and keep on listening to The Roundtable. Table.